This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Peter McKay spent 18 years in our nation's capital as a member of parliament, held several cabinet positions, including justice, foreign affairs, and defense. And it's in that capacity uh, that he this week wrote a piece in the National Post subtitled, Advice from a Former Defense Minister to the One Just Starting. Defense is a tough portfolio. I mean, you can run down any list of issues that's facing uh, the new Minister of Defense, Bill Blair, who took over during the cabinet shuffle. So, what is that advice if, if Peter McKay were, and, and he wasn't forcing this on anybody, he was just saying, hey, listen, I have some thoughts, and, and, and here's what they are. Uh, Mr. McKay, thank you so much for joining us. I really do appreciate your time today. It's my pleasure, Shay. Thanks for uh, for giving this issue some profile. It's, well, it's an important one, to say the least. It certainly is. And I mean, I guess we just need to start with uh, some of the challenges. And we've talked about so many of them over the past, well, well several years, to be completely honest. But you, you sort of go through the list of challenges that Bill Blair faces as he takes over. Where would you start? What would you say is the top of the list and the challenges that he needs to overcome? Well, I think it starts with the people, uh, you know, the personnel. We need to uh, shore up recruiting and retention. And they, they all flow into one another, of course. The conditions in which our men and women in uniform are working uh, are predicated on having proper modern equipment, are, are predicated on having a decent place to live, um, and a feeling that the country, and, and first and foremost, the government, is going to give them those necessary resources. Procurement is a big part of that, mm. and it seems to move at such a snail's pace, uh, and it's politicized. I, I mean, to get to the crux of it, Shay, there's, there's a problem when governments change, when these big you know, muscle movements around buying planes and ships and boats and all of the necessary equipment gets canceled or put on hold. And, you know, this is not a partisan issue. It, it is far too important to get caught up in the machinations and, and the partisan wrangling that goes on on many, many issues. One would hope, and I'm among them, that we could rise above this. And so part of the advice to Minister Blair is to try to back away from some of the, the games that get played. And we saw it with F-35s. We've saw, seen it with Sea Kings. Uh, there was attempts to cancel some of the investments we were making in shipbuilding. And uh, really, we're far beyond that now, given the, the change in the geopolitical um, climate that's going on around the world with the invasion of Ukraine. China's on the move. We, we have to be a much more forward-looking and, and smart country when it comes to our national defense. Bunch of things there I want to go a little deeper on. Let's start with the politicization. And I think you're so right. And I think the same thing would apply to, you know, health care. There's a lot of things we could take out of the, the election cycle in the political arena. But how, how does that work? Because ultimately, our elected officials are the ones making these decisions. We rely on the opposition to hold them to account for those decisions. So there has to be a political element, doesn't there? Where have we gone wrong? Well, it starts, frankly, with, with leadership and taking personal responsibility. During the Afghanistan mission, we met regularly and briefed uh, defense critics on the opposition side. Um, there have been improvements now in bringing in uh, members of the opposition who are not sworn into cabinet, but can be made privy counselors so that you can share top 
secret information with them. You can share the type of uh, important uh, intelligence that is sometimes given to us by our allies and, and stress, emphasize the threat level that is there. Uh, you know, a perfect example of this, of course, is foreign interference that we know is happening in our country. That, you know, that's a whole other subject area, but it demonstrates the ability that we have now to consult with and share, in some cases, information with the opposition that should take some of the sting out of the, the, the type of games that get played in question period and, and, and especially during elections where the rhetoric goes through the roof. We're not going to buy this, you know, fill in the blank because the previous government did. Uh, and then promises to cancel contracts, which, again, cost massive amounts and send one horrible message to those men and women who are serving. And that is you're not a priority. Right. You know, politics trumps your life and death decision making uh, to fly in a 40 year old aircraft. That priority, that decision making, we often focus on spending. And- and that's part of it, right, Mr. McKay? I mean, we, sure we've, spending certainly is part of this conversation. Not the be-all and end-all, but it's part of it. No, there's no question. You're, you're right, Shay. It just, it, it still comes down to priorities. Yes. We yeah. spend an awful lot of money on programs and, and health care, you mentioned, critically important. And no getting away from it and no diminishing that importance. But so, too, is the ability to defend our coastline, the, the, the skies over North America. We're partners with the Americans on NORAD. We have an exposure and a vulnerability in the Arctic like never before. We're expected through NATO to participate in international missions. And so that has to be translated in some cases in terms of its importance and priority to the public. And I don't see, again, I, I'm not saying this as a partisan comment, but as a reality, it doesn't seem to be entering into, in my view, the, the national discussion and vision that, uh, that it should, because the world is changing at a breathtaking pace. I think you're absolutely right. And I often ask the question when we talk about our defense and, and the fact that I think you're right. We, we've got glaring weaknesses in countless areas. Is that a function of government um, or is that the populace of Canada that we don't prioritize this? We're not like the Americans. We're not all about the military. I'm not saying we shouldn't be. And I'm not saying we shouldn't have more focus on what our defense capabilities. But where does it start? Does it start with the Canadian people not being attention and not being engaged? Or is there a leadership that's not getting us engaged? Well, you know, my opinion, I think it starts with government and uh, it it begins with having that national conversation, not to create fear or anxiety, but people are watching the nightly news. They they know the horrors that are happening and unfolding on the doorstep of Europe with the illegal invasion of Ukraine. They know and they hear regularly about China's investment in their defense. They're building aircraft carriers and they're building Uh, destroyers and their Navy, that's not for coastal patrol. They have broader ambitions and they're menacing Taiwan. And so we get more international news, but there doesn't seem to be a a real Canadian discussion happening on this front. And so that begins with government. Then it begins with the Minister of National Defense and those who are tasked to protect our shores. And look, let's not forget the domestic component to all of this, Shane. We Mm -hmm. saw it, of course, during covid but with forest fires raging yep. in places like Yellowknife and certainly uh, many parts of the West, we had them for the, you know, the, the better part of the summer here in Nova Scotia. We've seen flooding. We've seen extreme weather. And very often now we are relying on our military to step into the breach. 
and provide assistance to civilian authority. And so this, again, is an important part of the responsibility thrust upon our, our men and women in uniform who courageously take on these tasks with unlimited liability. And I stress that fact. You know, police, emergency responders, yes, they do as well. But we're asking people to put their lives on the line in defense of Canada. They deserve the best equipment and the best opportunity to complete their missions successfully and come home to their families. Earlier in the show, we were speaking with Gary Marr about a national trade corridor and how our international reputation as a, you know, a reliable, trustworthy trading partner has been grossly eroded in the last 10 years. I think you can make the same case about our military, our international reputation. And I think it's really come to light with the situation in Ukraine in terms of what are our capabilities? How, how reliable are we as a partner? What can we honestly contribute? Um, how big of an issue is that for Bill Blair to take a look at? Okay, we're talking about national defense, Canadian defense, but there's a thing going on right now and we're part of that and we're not seen in the most favorable light. No, it's it's sadly true, and uh, you know I have great respect for Anita and Anne. I thought she brought a lot of credibility in what she was doing. Unfortunately, this this change will knock back some of that progress. Where hopefully we would move in the right direction, but this will delay some of those decisions and some of those procurements. And our international allies have called us out. There was a senator from Alaska, Dan Sullivan who basically laid it all bare and said Canada is, is an international laggard. They're, they're not pulling their weight at NATO and in North America. We're well below the 2% floor of NATO spending. on That's 2% of GDP on defense spending. And there's a very creative calculus now that really has changed that formula. But bottom line is this, we're not seeing in the same light that we were even 10 years ago in terms of what we were providing in terms of global security, but in terms of North American defense. And so the impetus is on us and it is on the minister. It's on the government to make those critical investments in equipment, in people, in personnel, in training and readiness. And yes, it's a big, big ticket item. It is. But the government has to, again, uh, speak to the public about the necessity to meet those standards if we are going to be seen as a credible partner on the global stage. And I mean, that's where it starts, right? You, you restore the equipment, you restore the, the capability, then you start to, that just spins off into morale and recruitment and all the rest. It, it, it's a trickle down effect, if you will. That's absolutely right, because the opposite message is being sent. Yeah. And look, this is not to overlook some of the internal challenges that they've had and, and that they're addressing. But look, that's true of every institution from the RCMP to our education system, healthcare, even politics itself has had bad apples. And again, I'm not trying to diminish in any way the seriousness of some of these allegations and, and, and actual proven uh, effects and events. But we also have to embrace and celebrate the importance of what our military have done historically and what they continue to do. And the best way to demonstrate that is to make necessary investments in the equipment that enable them to do this life-saving important work. Search and rescue in this country, yeah. which gets slight uh, uh, reference and, and attention. Breathtaking what our SARTECs do. Our special forces, 
our, our regular forces, men and women, people prepared to go to sea in the worst conditions in February, fly out in helicopters and rescue people, pluck them off the deck of a, of a floundering boat, go into mountains during, you know, hurricanes and, and uh, an avalanche season. I mean, it is daily heroics that goes, sadly, very unnoticed in our country. And yet uh, we need to celebrate them. But more importantly, we need to give them the best that we can afford. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, Mr. McKay, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you being with us today. It's my great pleasure. Thank you.